Amen. Let's give God a round of applause uh, tonight. Yes. Great. That was a great time of worship. Uh, well, hey, welcome to Genesis. My name is Mike, and here at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you walked in tonight, that you felt comfortable and invited. And I also hope that you came with an open heart because we have prayed and prepared for you. And so we're glad that you're here. You guys feeling good tonight? Feeling good? Awesome. So uh, we're going to play a little game to start out tonight. Is that all right? All right, good. Um, so this is how this is going to work. And this might be a little messy, but we're, gonna, we're just going to roll with the punches. All right, sound good? Um, so I'm going to ask a question, and usually I just have like, you know, hey, just shout out your answer. Tonight I want you to like raise your hand, and I'm going to come to you, and you're going to say it in the microphone. Okay, cool? All right. All right, so the question is going to sound something like this. If you were in this situation, and I'll tell you what the situation is, where your life depended on it, who would you call to bail you out? Okay? I mean, you already know? <laughs> Do you even know? You still want to answer the question, whatever it is. Okay. All right. Well, what? All right. I'm going to come over to you. All right. I told you. I'm just going to have to roll with the punches here. This is going to be good. I haven't even asked the question yet. No. I said, that, so this is what it would be like. But since, you, but since you're so eager, I'll ask you the first one. The first question is, if you had to, okay, what artist or musician would you, would you call if you had to write a hit song to save your life? Kanye or, oh, Drake, Drake. Drake or, Ch uh, no, Drake or, um, no, it's not Chris Brown. It's Drake. No, wait, y'all are making me not be able to think. Drake. It would just, Drake, Chance the Rapper, one of them. All right, cool. All right, that's not bad. That's not bad. All right, Jacob's been, like, dying to answer this. Let's go. What you got? You guys don't know this, but your pastor is a phenomenal songwriter. So I would call Mike Woodard. I would call Mike Woodard. Well, you, you would, uh, don't call me if your life depends on it for that. All right, one more and then we'll go to this side. She's not here, but Carly Carter. All right, let's get Okay, all right. Yeah, let's try to make them famous, all right? Like, let's be realistic, okay? All right. Cody, what you got? Beyonce. That's uh, a great answer. All right, one more, one more. Jamie Grace. Jamie Grace. Okay, all right, cool. All right, here's the next one. The next one is if you, okay, well, let me preface with this. Anybody like a basketball fan? Okay, so I got a few. Good. What basketball player would you call if you had to make one shot and your life depended on it and they could come do it for you? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. That's what I figured everybody would say. Jamie, you already answered like five of them. Miller, what you got? Ray Allen. Ray Allen. Yeah, he had a couple. That's, not, that's a great answer. 
He had some clutch shots in his career. All right. Abijah. None other than SE30. Steph Curry, baby. Steph Curry. Okay. Great answer. What's your answer? All right. Anybody else got anything on, anything on that one? No? All right. All right, here's another one. All right. This is a good one. This is a good one. What actor would you call if you had to win an Oscar to save your life? What you got? Brandon? <laughs> Did you just forget? Um... Yeah, that's what I was thinking, but uh, we'll, we'll go, we'll go uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, not bad, yeah. Don't call uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. It might take him a while. All right, one more. You got one? Okay. Taraji P. Henson. Uh, who? Taraji P. Henson. What does he do? What does he play? She. Oh, okay. I'm bad with, I'm bad. Yeah, I know what that is. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I've never seen it. I know what it is, but all right. Last one. Um, this one, really any answer is going to work. What superhero would you call if you had to win a fight and your life depended on it? <laughs> all right, Harrison, go for it. Whoop. Batman. Batman. Does he count? Oh, no, no. He, he's got no superpowers. He's just got a lot of money. Isabella, sorry. Can I hear it for my man Thor? Not bad, not bad. That's good. That's good. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for entertaining me on that. That was great. <laughs> what? No, no, no. All right, cool. So in... None of these situations, right, these hypothetical situations, do we have, as long as you said somebody famous, do we have a relationship with the one swooping in and saving us, right? But what if instead of them coming in and doing the, the, whatever it was, doing it for us, that they spent time with us and taught us carefully how to do what they were good at, right? Over time, we would have a significant relationship with them, right? Think how the person comes behind you learning how to hit a golf ball, right? They have to, like, help you and guide you, right? Well, tonight we're continuing our series, Dead Man Walking, where we are working through the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Now, in that story, we can see God's plan for our pain because the story gives us a look into how God operates in the painful experiences of our life, the moments where things didn't go as expected, they didn't go how we thought that they should go, the moments where we try to see a good God in the midst of the bad. So tonight as we move forward in, this, in the story, we're going to see how Jesus is not this emotionless, stoic person who, who doesn't feel or relate to what we're going through, but, is, but instead is someone who decides to be close to us in our struggles. And he's instead and in, in extraordinarily present in our pain. And we'll see how Jesus doesn't swoop in and rescue us from our pain, but often walks with us through it. And oftentimes by doing that, our relationship with, with him grows. So if you would, let's pray and then uh, pray with me and then we'll jump into this. God, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I pray that we would uh, take this moment and settle in uh, and get ready to hear from your word and hear what you have to say to us tonight. And uh, God, I pray that your voice would be louder than my own, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here tonight. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all say it together. 
Amen. Awesome. Well, if you would, go ahead and turn to John chapter 11. So far in this story, we've seen Mary and Martha let Jesus know that their brother Lazarus was dying. Uh, and Jesus waits uh, to, to come to Lazarus uh, until Lazarus has passed away. So by the time Jesus gets there, Lazarus has died. And he said that he did that so that his name would be glorified. And so we saw in week one that the purpose of our pain is ultimately for God to get glorified through it, that his power is made perfect in our weakness. And then last week we saw Jesus finally show up and tell Martha that her greatest need was for him not to have her brother back, and and that his promise in our pain was to see our ultimate need for him, not for our situation to be fixed. And so we're going to pick up where we left off last week. This is John eleven twenty eight through thirty two, and this is what it says. When she had said this, when she had said this, she being Martha, when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, "The teacher is here and is calling for you." And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so we see Martha, she goes back into the house to tell Mary, like, hey, Mary, Jesus is looking for you. Jesus wants to come talk to you. And so she comes in the house, she tells her that, and all these people are there, right? They're there consoling uh, the two sisters and because they're, they're having a hard time. They lost their brother. And so Martha walks in. She tells Mary in private, hey, Jesus wants to see you. And so Mary walks out of the house, and all these people are like, oh, she's just going to the tomb. And so they all get up, and they start walking out of the house. And so all these people are come out. And Mary walks up to Jesus, she falls at his feet, and says the same exact thing that Martha had said earlier. She says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Lazarus would not have died. Now, I remember if, you, if you remember when Martha said this to Jesus, his response was to tell her, essentially, that she needed him more than she needed her brother back. But Mary's reaction to Jesus here. When, well, instead, when Martha was saying, like, man, I, I get it. He's going to resurrect one day. She had this, this churchy answer to try to explain what Jesus was saying, what he was doing. But instead, Mary's reaction here is she falls at Jesus' feet. It's like more of this act of desperation. It's almost as if she's falling at his feet in submission to his will and accepting what had happened. And the response of Jesus to Mary is very different than his response was to Martha. And So let's keep reading and see what he does. This is verse 33. To 35. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And here's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And so as we see, Jesus doesn't respond the, the same way this time. This time, he weeps, which is such a, a beautiful picture of who Jesus is, right? I mean, at, at that time, you know, he's 100% man, he's 100% God, putting the compassion and heart of God on display by using this human reaction such as tears. And so just think, man, if God created us with the ability to cry out of sympathy or cry out of compassion for somebody, and we were made in his image, don't you think that he feels those same emotions at times? You know, sometimes we may view God as this, you know, this cold, distant force, 
But this, pro- this verse proves to us, among many, other, throughout, many others throughout Scripture, that God is a God of compassion, right? He, he knew that Mary didn't need an answer. She needed a shoulder to cry on. And that should be a bright, shining example of God's character to us, right? He's not far away from us. He's close to us. He, he, he wasn't far away in that moment to, with Mary. He, he was there for her, and he cried with her. He felt her pain. He understood her pain. Earlier in the life of Jesus, he had uh, actually lost his cousin, John the Baptist. He, John the Baptist got beheaded, and this really, I mean, Jesus loved him, and it really messed with Jesus. And we see, like, in, in the, the Gospels where when John the Baptist dies, Jesus goes off and mourns. He, he's like, i got to get away, and i got to deal with this. And so in the same way, like, G- Jesus was seeing this in Mary, and he was there for her. And so in the same way as he was there for Mary, he's there for us. Right? He understands our pain. He feels our pain, and he's with us in it. He, he's, he's crying and he's mourning, if that's the situation that we're in, if we're in a time of grieving. Or he's helping us hope and believe if we're in a, a season of the unknown. Or, or he's lifting us up and encouraging us if we're in a season of discouragement. He is present in our pain. And we can even take this a step further. When I was getting ready for this message, I saw that in uh, verse 33 where, where it says that Jesus was moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. In, in the original language, the words they, that they used communicated that he was feeling a mix of three different emotions. Three different emotions. Sadness, anger, and awe. Sadness, anger, and awe. And I want to briefly hit on all three of those. First of all, Jesus was sad, along with Mary and Martha, because of the loss of Jesus. And what I find so amazing about that, the fact that Jesus was sad, is that Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Right? He, he knows the end of the story, yet he weeps. Rebecca McLaughlin, she's an author, she says this. She says, heartfelt mourning in the face of death does not indicate a lack of faith, but honest sorrow at its reality. Right? Jesus knows the end of our story where, yeah, one day he's going to wipe away every tear and make all things right. But that doesn't stop him from crying along with us in our pain. Just because he cried here doesn't, it doesn't show a lack of faith. It shows sorrow at the reality of death. The Jesus that we serve and follow, he feels our sadness. The second emotion that he was feeling was one of anger. Jesus was angry at the reality of death, at what it causes, at the hurt that it brings. Because remember, you know, death was not part of the original design. It was something that was brought into the equation by sin. And so Jesus is living on earth. He's staring this, this sin problem in the face, right, seeing its effects, and it makes him angry, right? He's thinking, man, it shouldn't be this way. This shouldn't happen. I want so much more for you. But regardless, here we are dealing with it. And I don't like that you have to go through it. And that third emotion, that, that's an interesting one. It says that Jesus also felt awe. And what he was in awe of was the power that was to come, that was about to be put on display. He knew he was about to, to raise Lazarus back to life. He knew the miracle that was about to take place. And so on top of the sadness and the anger that he was already feeling, we can imagine that it was surely overwhelming, right? And we see him weep because of it. And so to help you understand this, I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine you're sitting in front of your TV or you're scrolling through social media and you hear or you read about a horrible injustice happening somewhere either in America or somewhere around the world, which unfortunately nowadays that is not hard to do. Okay, you fill in the blank with whatever it is that you, you can imagine, right? What's the emotion that you feel? 
probably sadness, right? It, it's, it's sad. It's, it's wrong. It's hard to even think about these things happening to somebody somewhere. Well, now to take it a step further, imagine that that injustice starts to affect someone that you care deeply about. It starts to hit a little closer to home, right? All of a sudden, someone you love is a victim to that horrible act. Well, now, you're not, now you're not, you wouldn't be just sad. You'd be angry, right? You'd be angry at the situation. You would be angry that your loved one was hurt, angry at maybe the, the person that hurt them or, or the thing that hurt them. And now imagine in the midst of all of that, you were given the power to fix the situation, right? You're sad, you're angry, but now you know that you can do something about it, right? Those three emotions mixed together might just bring somebody to tears. And that's where Jesus found himself in this situation. And so let's keep reading. We'll see what happens next. This is verse 36, 37. So the Jews said, they're seeing Jesus cry. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? So all the Jews, the, right, remember we said they all came out of the house. The, the, the folks who were there with Mary and Martha, they decide to share their two cents on the situation. And it seems that like there's two different groups, right? On one side, you've got the tenderhearted, well-meaning, bless your heart type people, right? Where they say, man, look how Jesus loved Lazarus. And then on the other side, we see the, the cynical, eye-rolling people say, oh, so he can make blind people see, but he couldn't heal this man from dying. And what's interesting to me here is, though, you know, at first, like, I find that side of the crowd kind of annoying. This is similar to something that I've found myself thinking or, or saying before, right? And maybe you have, too. It's that thought of, okay, so God will answer that person's prayer, but he won't answer mine. Or God, God will fix that situation, but why doesn't he fix mine? I don't know if you've, you've been there before, right? And that can be a frustrating thing. And when these people said this, it wouldn't be the last time that Jesus heard a statement like this. When, when he would go to the cross and, and get nailed to the cross and pinned up, you know, on display for everybody to see, it says in Matthew 27 that people were saying pretty much the same thing. Oh, he, so he can save others, but he can't save himself. Well, the answer to that is, well, yeah, he could have saved himself, but that was not the point, right? Je Jesus chose to go to the cross. He chose to die. He, he could have got off if he wanted to, but he chose not to. He chose to stay in the moment of pain for a greater purpose. And that's not too hard to wrap our brain around. And so let's take that and work our way back to Lazarus, right? These people said, man, he can heal the eyes of the blind, but couldn't heal a dying man. Yes, Jesus could have saved Lazarus, but as we see, he chose not to. He chose to keep everyone in their moment of pain for a greater purpose. Last week, we saw that that greater purpose was to show Martha that he was her greatest need. But this week, we see that the greater purpose was to show Mary that he was with her in her pain, that he empathized with her and wanted to cry with her. And so in the same way, Jesus may keep you in a painful moment to show you that he is with you in it. It's not about Jesus picking us up and removing us from our situation. It's how he wants to be with us in the middle of it. He wants to be with us in the middle of our pain so that our relationship with him deepens. Because being rescued, it doesn't teach us anything. And think back to the, the, the game, right, we played at the beginning, right? You, you, who do we say? Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, the person from Empire. I didn't know who they were. 
Drake, <laughs> right? If they would have done the work for you, right, you'd never learn how to do those things. But in the process of them being with you, teaching you, helping you, a relationship begins to grow. I, I remember in, in high school, I was really bad at math. Really, anybody like bad at math? Okay. Um, I was really bad at math. Um, I, uh, I, I, failed, I failed AP trig my junior year, and I wasn't even supposed to be an AP, which is probably the problem. Um, and so I had to take it again, which is awesome. Not. Um, and then I, I got to, to college and continued to be really bad at math. Um, but I got through it. But one of the worst mistakes I made in high school math was buying our textbook solution manual. Okay? Um, where every night for the homework, I would just go into the solution manual, I'd copy the answers, and I'd call it a day, right? In the moment, it was awesome. Like, this is great. This is easier, it's quicker, and it is more convenient for my life, right? But then came test day. Our math, our math tests were always on Thursdays. Thursday, you know, would come around, and it's like, oh, my goodness. You know what I mean? I can't sneak that text, or that can't, I can't sneak that, that, that manual in here. You know what I mean? Like, and all of a sudden, like, yeah, on paper, on, on the homework, it looked like I knew what I was doing. But then came the test. I didn't have that manual in front of me. I had no clue what I was doing. Right? In the same way, if Jesus gave us the solution manual to our life, of course it would be easier and faster and more convenient for us. But we would not learn anything. Right? We would not grow through our circumstances. We wouldn't deepen our relationship with him or with those around us. And so, yeah, Jesus doesn't rescue us from our pain. He uses it to deepen our relationship with him. As we start to kind of wrap this up tonight, I, I want to share a quote with you from Oswald Chambers. He's a writer. He said this. The things we are going through are either making us sweeter, better, and nobler men and women, or they are making us critical and fault-finding and more insistent on our own way. The things that happen either make us evil or they make us more saintly, depending entirely on our relationship with God and its level of intimacy. So when we walk through our pain or our struggle or our situation or our season of unknown, etc., we have a choice to make. Right, we, can either, we can either let that, that pain or that situation shape us and mold us and form us more into the image of Christ, or we can let it make us bitter and critical and hostile. And just as those two groups of Jewish people responded to the weeping of Jesus in very, you know, two very different ways, right? we either see his love in the midst of it, or we start to criticize his power and criticize his purposes. And I love that in that quote, he said that our decision depends on where our relationship with God is is, right, if we can literally or figuratively or, or whatever you want to do, fall at his feet, right, just like Mary did in an, in an acceptance and a, and a submission to his will, what's happening in our life, if we believe that, man, this, this hurting, that he's hurting with us and he's present with us in our pain, then we can walk through our pain and find a deeper relationship with him on the other side of it. And so tonight as we respond, maybe you can make that, make that decision tonight that whatever it is that you're going through, that you can believe that Jesus is with you in it. And depending on your situation, he's crying with you, he's encouraging you, he's filling you with hope. He's there. He's present in your pain. And he's using it to teach us more about who he is. And he's not far away. He's close. So if you would, go ahead and stand with me.
who actually do have a song this week. <laughs> uh, so yeah, during the song, man, if, it, if you just need to make that decision tonight, man, I'm, whatever I'm walking through, I'm not going to let it make me into a bitter, cynical, critical person. But instead, man, I'm going to see Jesus' love through it, his presence in the midst of it. And let that define your struggle. And see how Jesus begins to reveal himself to you in the midst of it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the story of Lazarus. God, it's such an amazing uh, master class on pain. And your purpose is behind it. And so, God, I pray right now, God, that our eyes would be open. God, that our ears would be open. God, that when we begin to assess where we are in our life, whether it be a, a season of the unknown, a painful experience, a grieving moment, whatever it may be, God, I pray that we would see you in the midst of it. God, that you're not far away from us. You haven't forgotten about us. You're not somewhere on vacation. You're not asleep. But instead, you are right next to us. You're close to us. You are present in our pain. And God, you want to weep with us. You want to encourage us. So God, I thank you that you are a God that never forsakes, that nothing can separate us from you. No height, nor depth, no present, nor future. No angel nor demon, nothing in all creation could ever separate us from the love that we have in Christ Jesus. And so, God, I pray that we would celebrate that tonight, that that would be our hope tonight, and that we would change our perspective on our pain, that you are with us in it. In Jesus' name, amen.